Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gałkiewicz. And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel Investors from Ragnarsson. Hello guys again in our next episode of Founding Impact. Uh, today we have a really cool guest, Finn Wenzler. Uh, he's an entrepreneur and uh, investor, private investor and business angel. So he has a lot uh, in common with Impact, um, same as us. And we want to deep dive into your story to, to get to know you a little bit better and maybe learn something from it as well. So Finn, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, so, uh, Finn, maybe starting with a couple of words, where are you right now? Munich, right? Right. How right. is it there? What's the weather in this uh, beautiful autumn? Uh, the weather, the weather is pretty <laughs> good actually today. I'm, I'm sitting here in Munich in my office. Um, you have a really good moon for this uh, very early morning. So cool. Sorry? Um, yeah, your mood is really good uh, as for Monday morning. Yes, yes. Have today, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I assume yeah. all things are uh, getting well. I don't know. I don't really have that Monday downer most of the time. Oh, <laughs> I'm jealous. I, <laughs> I had to had like a double shot uh, espresso this morning to just like yeah. ooh, wake up. Yeah, it does help. I, I must uh, say that Finn, you were the one uh, that inspired us to. Um, experiment with the new form um so if anything goes wrong today it's it's your fault uh but we had a very nice conversation it must have been what two two weeks ago uh two three weeks ago, three uh, weeks ago at, yeah. at a dinner in, in berlin uh we had an occasion to meet with finn for the first time in person uh because we have the very nice dinner with with the company that we both invested global changer and as you can imagine, the, the dinner and the evening was very nice. We spent a lot of time talking and uh, Finn suggested, make a lot of suggestions to our podcast and one thing led to another and here we are today. So uh, the goal for us today is to go a bit deeper into, into Finn's story uh, because he has a, a, a very cool one. I mean, not the easiest to go through, but uh, I think there's, there could be a lot of learnings for our, our audience. Um, Finn, what's 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 kind of the, the the magic moment when it all starts? What do you think? It's it's like the uh, the kickoff of of the journey that you that you took off. The kickoff of the journey. Yep. Um, wow, there there have been like many points, you know. Like uh, I think the journey is like a you know a collection of like many points that that just come together. So it would be hard to to say, but uh, yeah, definitely like a pivotal moment was. Uh, when my father passed away and then I inherited some some shares of businesses uh, and that's how like I basically went down another path so that was probably one of the most uh, yeah biggest when you, points when you life. say another one like uh, what what was before so before that I was living in Amsterdam and working for a startup actually so uh, I was responsible to roll out uh, the app it was a patient and doctor communication app mm -hmm. and I was responsible for the rollout uh, in, in Europe, mostly in the Dach region. Um, so yeah, it was, I was in the, uh, in the startup path uh, and then I was taken basically to a corporate path and now I'm back to the startup world. Got it. So um, you had some, uh, something going in Amsterdam and then there was this moment when, when your father passed away. Right. How how did it? I mean, it must have been like a, a very big event, obviously, in your life. But how was how did it um, in the short term? How did it change what what you were doing? 
Well, it changed a lot because, you know, um, I, I started to think about what I actually want to do then, you know, um, because there's like, there's like this moment in, in your life where you're like, okay, well, if I would pass away at that age and I continue, you know, the yeah. way I'm doing, would I be happy with it? You know, you ask yourself that question and I was like, probably not, you know. So then you start to reevaluate what you actually want to do, what's important for you, what's your purpose, what's your mission. Um, and then you come up with all sorts of ideas. And yeah, that's, that's how I transitioned actually into impact investment and, and things like that. I can relate to this to this situation. Like uh, when uh, when the founder of, of Ragnarsson, Lukas, passed away a few years ago, I had the same kind of feeling in a sense of he was a really the young guy. He was like thirty five or so, and all of a sudden, I got this idea like, okay, you can actually pass away by being a very young person. I mean, relatively young for for some maybe for some people, but it also made me think about the future and what I should be doing. So. I understand like in your case that was like the one thing and uh more from the practical perspective was it like um what what you had to do with what you inherited was also like forcing you to to go into the the, the other direction or um it could be just running on its own and uh you wouldn't have to be be bothered uh no it, it was not not possible to have it just run on its own um because like some some of the, the businesses that were not doing so well, they had like some, some problems. Uh, and, you know, there's also like a, a lot of uncertainty, you know, when, when someone else takes over some shares, as you, you might, might know from an investor perspective. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I had to definitely uh, go there and, you know, uh, see what, what I can do, see what I can help with. Um, and basically, you know, take what's there and and you know make the best out of it make it mine um and and see where where it takes me you know and where it takes takes the companies also but uh, i have a a question for you actually because um you said that the was the ceo that that yeah they did the, the founder yeah of ragnarsson the founder the founder yeah and and what were you doing at that time i was a minor shareholder and I uh, just recently moved from being a, a technical person to being more of a business person. So I've more focused on, on sales and business development as opposed to um, yeah, technical stuff. Why are you asking? Uh, because um, like, it was probably also like a, a big challenge for you then, right? I mean, like, what do you do with it? Yeah, you that know? was going to be my uh, next question you to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to suggest any answers to you, but uh, like from my perspective, um, I was put into this uncomfortable situation and it was, you know, either swim or go home. Mm. And um, the, the pressure was a bit created by on my own, like coming a bit from my side, Not nobody expect from the outside that I'm, I'm going to do something. I mean obviously we had employees and so on so there was some expectation but probably no one would be um um mad, uh, no one would kind of feel bad about me if um if i didn't deliver or something um so i would i would be very curious to know like how did you perceive your situation back then was it like okay this is this pressure this is this challenge or yeah cool i'm going to just move from amsterdam to whatever and uh, do what, what has to be done. 
Well, probably similar to you, I think uh, it might be universal even. Um, so there was also no no pressure that anyone really put on me, you know, yeah. except for myself, because you feel like you have the responsibility. You feel like you have to do something, right? Um, but yeah, in the end, you know, you, you create the pressure um, and you get put in a situation where you're like, okay, swim or go home, as you said, right? Yeah. Um, so you have no no other chance than than you know dealing with it and moving forward right and what i what i uh, really would like is uh you know in in, in mandarin in chinese the, the the sign for crisis and for chance it's like almost the same sign you know it is it has just like a little mm -hmm. cross in there i think and that's you know how how i perceive it you know like every crisis can be a chance also a chance for like exploration development discovery right but uh depending on how big the the impact is of the event that happened to you then you might need a couple of months or so to to realize that you know got it what would you say was the toughest thing for you after you know the big crisis happened you made the decision to to try it out and swim instead of uh, drowning mm. and what would we say was the toughest or thing you had to face like immediately after what you had like switch your mindset or you had to learn new skills or uh, fight with people who had different vision than you there were a lot of uh, discussions <laughs> let's put it this way um and but in the end, you know, it, for me, it was really like, who do you talk to about this? Right. Because my friends, they've never experienced something like this. You know, mm -hmm. like I can talk to family members. Right. Um, but but in the end, you know, you also need some some outside perspective, some friends, you know, like who do you actually talk to about this? Right. Um, and yeah, that that was probably the, the toughest thing for me. But um, in the end, you know, it's. I think it was good good for me because you know I was forced to you know creating my own thoughts like you know dealing with it on my own and I think you know I'm prepared now you know <laughs> did you have this uh did you have this kind of question in your in your mind back then like what would my father do in this situation yeah yes yeah. a lot actually a lot and um the the thing is that you know at first you just continue you know how how it was you know because uh, you're like, okay, well, this is how my father did it, right? Yep. But in the end, you know, he's not there anymore. So you have to make it yours. Like, you have to basically, you know, do it yourself. So why would you do it like someone else would do it? Do it like you want to do it. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely relate to that. Like, the first two years were always like, uh, yeah, what would Vukash do? Like, uh, if he was in this situation and so on. But exactly what you said i i think in the long run you need to make it your own um company your own kind of environment you need to be the the shaping force uh you know otherwise i mean obviously building on the foundation that was previously um laid out um but yeah cool so um yeah, so taking the next step, what made you actually focus on impact? Because you said yourself, you're an impact investor and it's quite important for you to to have this aspect in, in your activities. So why actually? Right, right. So at that time, I was stuck in some negotiations that were a little bit slower. So I had a lot of time to think. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, how do I actually see the world in the future? You know, like I, I deal with corporates now, but... I, I come from a, my background is innovation and entrepreneurship, right? So 
I constantly think about, you know, my vision for the future and, and what I want to achieve, how I want the future to look like. And then I created this vision in my head, you know, where uh, it's almost like an utopia, you know, so in like 10 years from now, everything we can buy is sustainable already. Um, industry is, is put on, on hydrogen, you know, the heavy industry. Uh, we hold each other by the hands, you know, and, and everyone's happy. So the, this is the type of, of utopia or like vision that I have in my head, right, that I developed through that time. So uh, then, you know, I started small, started by doing, you know, what I can do, you know, like maybe eat more sustainable or may, maybe travel a little bit less if it's not necessary, stuff like that, you know, but I figured that my my gear is too small you know because it's just me mm -hmm. right so i thought about what can i actually do to have a bigger gear you know to actually have a bigger impact and the system that we live in works on 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 companies on corporates right so uh this was was my chance and, and this is how i see how i can you know help to to in my opinion you know improve the world a little bit or give it a push in a like good direction right so this is how i became interested in, in the whole impact investment thing and why investing in any specific reason because you could be uh building another company you could be uh i don't know volunteering somewhere or like many different things philanthropist yeah. yeah yeah which i also want to do um i mean what i what i did in the meantime is uh, i founded an, an ngo Uh, also, and um, I helped some some NGOs um, here or, or in Africa also. Um, but I I wanted to get more into investing because that's something that I want to do for the rest of my life also. Mm -hmm. uh, because hopefully I will have funds uh, now and then that I can use to actually create impact. Right, so I can I can give some resources to people that are maybe much smarter than me or that have figured something out that I haven't figured out, which might be good for the world or good for us, you know? So um, I think, you know, going into investment and, and figuring out which people can actually have the biggest or best impact and give them resources. Um, I think that's something very valuable. And that's also something that you can do, you know, for the rest of your life while you have another mission going on, you know, maybe another startup or so. So I actually want to do both. And and how did you? Um, okay, so you you kind of you had this moment when you reflected on your life. Um, you fixed the problems of of the company uh, or companies you inherited, and then you went more into the journey. Okay, so now when it's kind of cleaned up, the situation is stable. What what's my north star? What's the utopia I would like to uh, maybe help building? And you decided that investing is, is the way to go? and uh, As a side mission, yes. As a side uh, mission, okay. As a main mission, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about uh, the main one? Yes, yes, of course. So um, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, different business models, what I actually want to do and, and things like that. Um, and yeah, while I still build the, the investment side of things, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, what I, what I actually want to do. And, um how i perceive the world so what i what i actually want to do is to disrupt industries with uh, sustainable business models mm -hmm. right because i think there's 
so much to do so so much to do and basically you can disrupt any industry right now you know because no industry is completely sustainable right um but there are some some things that uh, i actually it would be nice to hear your opinion of this so um just this morning i thought about uh, how we frame sustainability always right yep. so um in my opinion sustainability often gets framed as this like you know, or it's maybe not as good as other products, but at least, you know, we, we saved the planet with it. Right? Yep. <laughs> um, and that comes from like, you know, back in the days where it was hard to, you know, produce sustainable products or so, right. But um, in terms of, of what we actually need to do, I think this is so backwards. So um, think about like cars, right? Um, like, you have like different cars, like a Volkswagen or Opel or Toyota or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, people like Porsche or something like that, right? <laughs> like this is what they want. So in terms of products or sustainability, I think it's really necessary to frame sustainability in a way where this is like the best product or service uh, available out there, you know, like the highest quality, the biggest standard or biggest, biggest status. You know, because that's what the mainstream of the people are still chasing, right? Yep. Uh, they're not. They're not chasing like you know. An, an ugly thing like only because it's sustainable. The, they, yeah, they they want the high quality luxury products. That's what they're chasing. It's a little bit weird, but that's how our world seems to work, right? So uh, this is something that I I thought about a lot actually to try to reframe it in a way where it's a it's not a. It's not a more small thing, but it's something that, you know, uh, people start really chasing. Mm -hmm. We had exactly this conversation uh, with uh, Rune from, from Pool. It must have been uh, a month ago and yeah. two episodes uh, before, um, how do you call it, in time? Yeah, but some time ago, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rune noticed like an, uh, a super important thing, in, in my opinion, exactly what you said about like desires of people and the, the mainstream uh, as well. So what they do, they have a um, solution that allows men to rent clothing and it's sustainable and you know it's renting not owning so technically um, the, the lifetime of, of the clothing could be extended and all sorts of good things. But Rune, the first thing Rune said, like, Macho, you're the member and you come and you rent something, not because, I mean, of, of course, also because it's sustainable, but at the end of the day, you, you want to have a nice thing, right? You don't pick something that is ugly, something that it's not fit you well. Uh, like, the, the main goal is to have something nice. And then we try to add as much as sustainability and uh, everything that it's good from the environmental and social perspective uh, in the background. Um, uh, so the future needs to be, from the kind of perspective of all different products, still very appealing to, to users, to normal people, but at the same time um, being, uh, being built in a more sustainable way. Uh, and I, I, would, I would definitely agree with his opinion. Um, yeah, like there, there is this huge discussion, like I'm reading a lot uh, about... Uh, people are looking at from two sides. First one, like Rune or Bill Gates in his famous book says that we don't have to change our behavior or what we're expecting. Yep. And the economy should be fixed around that. So they should offer us the solutions that are sustainable by default. So we don't have to change the way we buy stuff, for example, or how much we want or what do we want. But there are some other people that are saying that the system or the whole social contract 
in its essence is wrong and that people should not really want that many things. And that's, for example, there's a book, uh, Maurice Less uh, by Jason Hicks, or I might be wrong with the name here, but this, it's a book set that says that uh, capitalists are an economy that was created like in the 16th century and later it forced people to want more, to want to have nice things. And that the contract at the very beginning that's what, what's the problem and that we should change it in the way that we shouldn't want the Porsche and the new clothes, yeah. etc. So, okay, maybe uh, changing the behavior still, uh, but to some extent also um, wanting like nice things. Yeah, but it's like uh, taking a step back and changing mm-hmm. how the things are producing, how they are offering, how they are adver- advertised and like the whole system should work around us wanting less or needing less, actually. That's the point that we mm-hmm. should not need that many things. Got it. I, I agree. I totally agree, actually, on, on both theories, you know, um, because like we can talk about the system, capitalism and what it does to, to people, like how it forces people to basically consume, right? Or it, it, it yeah, enhances their consuming behavior. But in terms of sustainability, I think, you know, it's really hard to change a system like that. And we might not have the time to do that. Um, before we reach like 1.5 or, or 2 degrees, right? So maybe uh, maybe we should start using the system to our best abilities and slowly but surely, you know, trying to change the system afterwards, mm-hmm. right? Because in the end, how many more years do we have, you know, until uh, we have like climate failure or so, um, or until it gets really uncomfortable to live on this planet. So um, I think we, we should first focus on, on sustainability uh, and then slowly transition into maybe a different type of society, because I really agree on that. We we don't need to consume so much, but yeah. But on the other hand, it raises the question: like, if we can afford to do stuff the same way we do, even with focusing on sustainability, it would be would it be fast enough for us to really uh, finish the goal in time before the the whole uh, atmosphere changed and that's that's things that i'm trying to to figure out or like thinking uh, constantly about because there's no right question but should we focus more on those controversial or more radical solutions because they might be the only way we do it or the the way we do like investing in sustainable startups that are like you know trying to disrupt but in a kind of a slower pace the industries would it be enough or we really need to listen to some more radical people and i know gamble a little bit around that for for me this is like yeah Uh, sorry yeah (laughs) so in in terms of uh, innovation theory you know we can answer that in in a way that you need both basically right so um, in terms of behavior like behavioral change it takes a little while so you know take it as like a big ship right uh, and then you take the the startups, you know, radical innovation. Uh, they're like the small boats, right? So the small boats, they can fail. They fail a lot, right? But then sometimes they discover like a new land, you know, and, and this is something really valuable. But you also need the big ship, you know, because it has a very big impact, right? So you basically need to be ambidextrous in a way. Mm-hmm. From from my perspective, um, uh, what you both said is uh, a bit like like the 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 biggest challenge of of this transition because on on one end of the spectrum we we have people saying um, I mean 
maybe we shouldn't pu- be pushing so hard and sacrificing our the quality of our lives by lower consumption, by, I don't know, ma- phasing out coal um, sooner than later, which obviously has a huge impact on our pockets and uh, our, um, the, the, the way we live, we simply live as a society. And at the end, end of the spectrum are, are people saying we are not doing enough and, you know, if we keep going, then there is a huge disaster in front of us. But it's not so much tangible for for the mainstream, at least from my perspective. Like, I sit here in Berlin, it's all nice. I mean, maybe the weather is something sometimes a bit more extreme than it used to be, but this is more or less it. I don't perceive it as a consumer that the world is changing in a way that it's uh, it's tough. But is it really true? Have you really put some thoughts on how does the climate change really influenced you have you tried to notice like in which way your life changed or what are the things that you see around you that are different that they were like 20 years ago when you were a child for example uh i went on a on a walk uh, in a forest yesterday um and i realized that i don't really see that many plants that i've seen in this type of forest when I was a kid I don't know maybe it's a little bit different forest simply but it it got me thinking that when I was a kid there was this super popular type of like really random plant all around and we were playing it with it all the time and when I think about like coming to the same places now as a kid I don't really see them and I don't know if it's the reason that they just died out because it's too hot already or the pesticides or whatever but I see that my kid will not be doing the same thing that I was doing. It's like a super silly yeah, example, I but I, I realized those are those small things that you don't even realize until you, you really start focusing on that. Do you have any ty- this type of examples that you really already see things changed around you? Yeah, so I, I grew up in a little mountain village in Austria um, and we used to have a lot of snow, like a lot of snow when we were younger. And we used to have it back in December. Um, but now, basically, for the last couple of years, you know, we didn't have snow until January, February, uh, really. So, um, yeah, I can definitely see like a, a shift, you know, but I, I also agree with, with Maciek in a way where um, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to actually like see climate change, you know. Yeah, we, we see the, the floodings or we had a, like a tornado in Germany in, in Kiel recently, you know, which is crazy to me you know um but yeah we we need the media to actually tell us because in our daily lives a lot of people don't really see a difference yet but mm-hmm. they might in the future you know yeah that's interesting you said uh, that we need the media to tell us yeah. uh, for me it basically means that not every stakeholder that is involved or is needed to be involved like media or the public services governments i think there is a huge inequality yet on where we focus on the, the climate change and i see like a huge movement around entrepreneurs around startups companies and the awareness is it's growing i see the awareness growing in some certain type of consumers as well but i think it's not enough yet in media or in government and i'm trying to and some of those are even more we can't say we all equal in the problem The pressure is, for example, bigger on the government because they need to put some law in place to, I don't know, forbid plastic uh, or whatever. And it's not there yet. Mm -hmm. And for me, the reason for that, for example, looking from Polish perspective, is that the people that are involved in politics or the people that want to be involved in politics 
are not the one with this awareness. And that's also the problem. Like we cannot move fast until we get right people in the right place, right? Uh, and it's like we need media to tell us, but we also need government to tell us. And we need someone that we can trust, which is usually, I don't know, president or, uh, or prime minister or something. If they don't tell us it's important, like in Poland, they will mm -hmm. never tell us it's important. <laughs> <laughs> in, oh, the opposite, actually. Uh, like I remember, there was one one case. He said, "Yeah, the the uh, summer is warmer. It's great, right?" Fuck. Yeah, then I think it, it does start with media. Probably uh, take the example of Poland because Poland is also a democracy, right? Yep. So you know, supposedly, the government gets elected by the people, right? <laughs> so yep. so then Still. you know, if you have like a you know media outlet where they really focus on that topic, you know, make it more bring it more and more on the agenda, then maybe it would cause a mindset shift in the people as well, you know, and then, you know, they would elect maybe a government that is more sustainable. But I think that the the whole government perspective or this, the system is a little bit flawed in a way where, you know, climate change, you know, it's, we have to take action now for something that is not so visible. So we have a better world in the future, right? In like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. But governments typically work in a way where they they implement something and it has to be visible within the next yeah, two to four years, years typically, yeah. right? Yeah, or four years or even less, you know? Yeah, even less, yeah, true. So, so I think that's something where the system is flawed because, you know, if they introduce like laws that make it a little bit more difficult for the people, but they don't get to see the, the benefits, you know, 10 years from now, mm. um, it's going to be difficult to explain and politicians want to get re-elected. Yeah, but know, come so. on, it's the same way they are like increasing taxes for because they will know they will be, I don't know, they need a budget for in three years or something that they want to invest in something. So it, it, I, I don't fully agree with you in that terms. Like politicians, okay, they think about elections and they try to do implement a law that is giving people uh, something right now and right here. But most of the things they do that, we don't really see because we don't really look are about things that will happen in the future so it's only a way they present it they have tools to implement law right here right now that will influence our future because that's what they are doing right now i don't know lowering the or increasing the age when you get retired which in poland happened a couple of times in the past years it was used as a political tool but it is influencing our future directly so why not do also something related to climate change they have tools it's just they don't want to do it because it's not a political thing okay but it's a matter of how you present it as well if you have the mindset that you think about the future or not True. and they are the right people to to have this mindset they need to right, but it, it kind of gets back to what what finn said um you don't see the results like with if they increase taxes they have more money next year next two years and they can basically cover all sorts of expenses and then if you put money into climate change nothing really happens in the short term no okay <laughs> Kind it's a tough of, topic. Yeah. Let's, tough let's topic. get back Politics, to Finn's, yeah. Finn's story. But let's uh, get back to yeah, entrepreneurship. Maybe, it's more maybe I can ask you a question because yeah. um, there's, uh, putting, putting money into climate change, just uh, I, I had a thought coming up because I've been thinking about it a lot, you know. So when we buy products, typically, uh, they have a discount on it, right? So the discount is uh, the price for the emissions produced and we take the discount from future generations, let's say our children's generations. Right. 
So we essentially, you know, it takes money to to capture that carbon dioxide and, you know, store it, right? So that's the, the discount that we have and we constantly take it from the future, but, you know, we are not really aware of it, mm -hmm. right? So what I've been thinking is that should you have the option, no matter which product you buy or which service you use to have it at least climate neutral in terms of like being offset like you have with the Deutsche Bahn or the, the Lufthansa. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I go to a cafe, I have my, my cappuccino, um, should I then have the option to make it climate neutral? Uh, like in general, you mean? Like to, general, to introduce something, like, but w would you say uh, you would oblige businesses to make it uh, transparent where the, the emissions and uh, if we're offset it or not? Mm. That's what I, what I want to ask you from a, from a like um, customer perspective, let's yeah. say, you know, so if you go somewhere to a cafe, you buy a drink or you buy a, a coffee um, and then, you know, should that coffee you know be climate neutral already mm -hmm. or should you be able to choose whether or not you want to have it climate neutral okay so let's say you pay less and then there are some emissions and you pay more and it's yes. offset it or um, maybe done in a in a more sustainable way yes i think it could be a cool cool feature and like many of the startups we we're we're looking into they have some some kind of aspect of this concept i would say making it more visible like for instance i can i can uh, i remember like a lot of solutions tapping into existing e-commerce businesses or online marketplaces adding this option saying okay now tip someone or uh, like the, the workers in the factories mm -hmm. or uh, offset whatever you're buying uh, with just this one click and then we'll uh, plant some trees um I will actually, I think it's not a good idea, actually, because if you take a step back and look at the problem, it, it, it's, not, it's not really solving the problem. Our goal should be to create the products that are carbon neutral as cheap as the ones that are not carbon neutral. If we put a price, an extra price on carbon neutrality, we don't really force the whole system to change into going into neutrality. It's just an extra price some people want to pay for. Mm -hmm. But it's not really solving the problem at the bottom, right? So I don't think it, it will really help in the long term. It will maybe make, make me as a consumer a little bit like, oh, I paid some more, so I'm good. It would change my mood, but don't really influence the, the the problem at the core. So I don't really think if we have to put some money and some effort in changing something, that's not something I would put my money in. I would look for solutions that are a little bit deeper. But thank you. That's a cool question. Got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm just I'm just thinking because you know, uh, then you know, if you go to any shop, you know, you would you would basically you know. It would raise awareness with a lot of people if you had exactly. it in your shop, essentially, you know. So, but I agree totally with you, Kasha, because you know it's basically uh, like people could use it to greenwash, let's say, you know, yeah. or to just consume a lot, you know, and not have a bad consciousness around it, right? Mm -hmm. I, I would still imagine it could be like a good uh, intermediary step to raise awareness to help to reach the mainstream with the message. And as you said, it's not a solution, and we can't be planting trees all over the place we, we kind of need to go deeper and uh, focus on the root problems but uh, 
um, you know, with human psychology, it's not so uh, <laughs> <laughs> binary. Like of course, but we are entrepreneurs and investors, so we are like forced kind of to to look deeper and b more broader at the problems. Yeah, of course, right? of course, so, I agree. Uh, yeah, and don't even let me start on offsetting if it's right or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different Finn, topic. Finny, I think you, uh, you, you <laughs> has good <laughs> questions. <laughs> Kasia is not uh, not anymore in the in the Monday's mood. No, like, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think the espresso finally kicked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but just going back to to your story, so you start you, you mentioned you were started started thinking about all sorts of sustainable business models and. Um, what would what would it mean? Like I I sense that you don't s still have the answer, but would is it possible that you would be building something or investing more into one specific thing, um, or I don't know, transforming the the existing business that you have? Like what's what, what's kind of the idea here? Yeah. So so my vision is to continue uh, in investing and helping startups. Yep. Um, as a side mission, and then for my main mission, you know, I have. There's, there's two paths that I'm trying to figure out right now. So either, you know, create a team and help or start building sustainable business models, mm -hmm. um, you know, for, let's say, corporates or, you know, whoever needs this or just do it by, by ourselves. Um, or maybe, you know, <laughs> start to create just startups by myself and then have them grow, sell them, get the next startup, sell it again. Okay. Um, but... I'm also thinking about um, how to 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 grow a startup and make it uh, profitable as soon as possible, so it runs by itself. Um, because I see so many startups right now that are, you know, they they grow a lot and they have to in in our business world now. Like, if you really want to to have a, an impact, you need to grow like at a at a crazy rate, essentially, right? Um, and you can't be profitable with that. That's just not an option, right? Um, so there are many, many things that I'm, I'm looking into right now. But yeah, so uh, basically a sustainable company builder or a startup myself. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the two options right now. Got it. And uh, I, I wanted to ask this question a bit um, uh, earlier, but uh, we kind of dived into different topics. But I'm super curious, curious by looking at your history, and your the kind of experience that you had, I'm I'm, not, I'm referring also to the point where your where your father passed away. Do you think you would be on the same path if it uh, had not happened? No, I would not. <laughs> I would not be on the same path. Definitely not. So uh, I was always so I I did work in the in the startup world, but. Uh, before that, you know, I, I worked in consulting, I worked in the corporate world. So really my, I didn't really think about all of the impact and, and you know, what it all means to me. Mm -hmm. um, it, it only started really back then, I have to, to tell, you know, and ever since then it was a journey, you know, and, and once you learn, you know, how, how you can actually, you know, improve the world a little bit, make it better then you know, it's, uh, it's been a, a, a rough journey. Uh, a, I made a lot of lot of mistakes um, <laughs> doing this, um, but yeah, it's it's. I ha I wouldn't have been on that journey if if that would never happen. Okay, sure. so you had this aha moment when it when it happened, and then kind of changed the 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 course of your uh, professional life. And otherwise, you would 
maybe it would take you more time to to get here or you would still be doing something um simply completely different maybe yeah maybe I we mean, will never know yeah. we will never know but it was not one moment it was more like a like a a couple of months or maybe like two years you know that yeah. were pivotal for me where you know my my mind just my mindset just shifted yeah i mean it's uh i have this feeling that it's it's a bit crazy like I, I i could i could really say the same from my experience if it wasn't for what happened i would be probably in a very different place which is which just sometimes makes me sad <laughs> to the in a sense of okay so this one moment changed everything maybe not one moment as you say but it's it's kind of like a series of things that happened over a year or two or something uh but um yeah just uh when I think about it, I could be in a in a different place. It it makes me uh, sad slash uh, a bit terrified that uh, single things kind of influence people to to such an extent. Uh, I mean, but on the other hand, it's it's uh, it's also something good. Mm. Um, I think it's really good, and I think it's just normal, you know, to everyone. That's something that we need to uh, need to normalize or speak out more often. I think because. You know, you look at like successful entrepreneurs or investors or so, you know, and you're like, okay, well, they had their life all planned out, you know, step by step by step. You can see it in their CVs and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> but actually it's not, you know, there's so much serendipity around it. And, you know, constantly people think that, you know, okay, well, you know, they, they had their life planned out, you know, and then everything worked out flawlessly, you know, but that's not how it typically works, mm -hmm. right? Like you have a, a lot of things coming to you and you have to make the best out of it and, and accept the situation, you know, you can't fight it anyway. I think it's like, uh, yeah, having this life-changing moments like the two of you had, it's terrible and great at the same time because it's, it's changed your life to quite often to a good direction but for most of people it's more about like not really having a life-changing moment but putting yourself in uncomfortable position so you have like a different perspective or you're trying something out or going outside of your comfort zone anything that is changing the status quo is actually something good it's like strengthening you out for me it was for example moving uh, from poland to germany which was completely out of my comfort zone and completely changed my mindset and everything and opened a completely new doors for me. Mm. Uh, so you don't need to have something really gr big happening. It could be something small as well, but as long as it's changing something, yeah. that's that's the good direction, I would say. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, like we, we live in a way now in a, or in a soci society now where we can be comfortable at all times if we want to you know we have shelter we have food i mean we have drinking water you know from our tap and we can even shower and drink in water if you want to you know um and we can be comfortable at, at all times if we want to but you know we're not supposed to be like that this is not you know how our how our biology or how um, our mind works we thrive on challenges you know that's how it actually works so but now in a world like in the western world where you know you don't have so many like challenges you know in, in terms of survival like you have to make yourself uncomfortable from time to time you know meditate have a cold shower you know go out there do things right that's what we need to do you, you reminded me of the concept of um uh, optionality uh, described by one of my favorite uh, bloggers uh, taylor pearson and um, he was referring to it um, from the perspective of um, freedom and happiness. 
and to him, freedom and happiness was more about having all sorts of opportunities around you that you can seize. I mean, most of them, you don't do nothing. You just focus on, on a few, but you keep generating them uh, all the time. And then that gives you this feeling of, um, of freedom because you could be doing all sorts of things and you know that those opportunities are just around the corner. And to him, that was kind of like an ultimate, uh, maybe not an ultimate goal because, I mean, it's, it's complicated to, to, to talk about like a life's purpose. But um, he gave this example of a, of a person that moved from Africa to, to the US and uh, uh, this person went to some, some supermarket and there was like an, an entire alley of food uh, for, for um, animals. And she started crying because like in Africa, they, they don't have enough food to 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 feed themselves and then you had so plenty of options just for for animals and at the same time there is a guy in a suit uh coming and he's complaining that this industry is so so much regulated that not much innovation is able to happen because to him like from from his reference point the optionality the the, the amount of of um um opportunities is not so high and he is not so is he's not as happy as the person who has just um, experienced how the, the amount of options increases. Um, I hope that <laughs> I didn't make it too Where confusing. Where are you going with that? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know what you mean. You know? yeah. I know what you mean. Like we, you know, there's, there's two things I, I, I can say to this. So the first thing is that, you know, we have to be careful. Uh, if we see all these opportunities, we have to be careful with uh, thinking about this grass is always greener attitude yeah, you, know, yeah, grass always, you know the other side because you, if you see a lot of opportunities you think about okay well what could i make out of this like what could happen with this right is that greener than my <laughs> than what i'm doing right now um and i totally agree also with the uh, with the option with the options and the reference points you know so um just recently i, I helped in a, a social project in kenya where we build like uh, houses, you know, very cheap housing and, and water supplies to, to like villages. Uh, and then if you go there and, and, and you see this, you know, they, they have a totally different uh, reference point than you have, right? So, so since they don't have so much, you know, they appreciate much smaller things, you know, they're, they're as happy as we are, or maybe even more happy sometimes, right? Um, but then if you, if you talk to them and, and, you know, things that are just normal to us are not normal to them, right? I mean, just the concept of like showering in, in drinking water is yeah. like absolutely ridiculous or taking a bath in it, you know? <laughs> if you think about that, I mean, go tell them, you know? And, and they're like, what do you mean you shower in drinking water, right? Because they have like clean water to drink and dirty water to wash, you know? Crazy, crazy. Uh, maybe going a bit into the um, uh, the investing part of your life, um, I'm super curious to 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 learn a bit more about uh, uh, the founders that you uh, um, uh, come across uh, and um, the aspects that you think that let's say the population of founders is doing well on uh, in those aspects and and things that are still missing. Things that are still missing and doing well. So I think that um, just over the last couple of years, I think German startups, they have become much better. 
much better in terms of their business model, strategy, rollout, um, education. I think a lot of people or a lot of entrepreneurs, they're very well educated now and they, they really deep dive into the startup system, ecosystem and know how it works, know how to talk to investors, you know, know mm -hmm. their business planning, how to pitch, things like that. Um, I do think that still sometimes I, I, I get approached with uh, business models that are not, I don't see an exit scenario on it. Um, and that's something that I always think about also because, you know, that's how you create your return as an investor. I mean, I've talked to, to some startups, you know, and, and they, they approached me and, and they said, okay, well, listen, we're, we're profitable right now, you know, like we love our life. We love <laughs> how we work at the moment, you know, so, um, but yeah, we, we want to grow, you know, uh, but then we don't want to sell, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I, I know I'm happy for you guys that you are profitable right now, but you know, as an investor, it's hard to take money out of this, right? So um, that's something that I would, would uh, consider or want people to, to consider when talking to investors. Yeah, we also quite often uh, are facing the same, the same situation, being approached by people who uh, want to grow, want to get investors on board, but don't really have anything to offer them so mm. to say, uh, in exchange for the money, if there is no return, if financial return, do you think is there anything else that this type of companies could offer us as impact investors, for example, so it would get us interested? Mm. So I, I think there's, that these type of companies, there are investors now that are, you know, only investing impact. Um, so they don't look so much about returns. Um, but I think, you know, they, they have to give something in return, you know, and just like the, the question that you asked me is something that I ask myself and I ask other people all the time, like, how can we solve this problem? Because mm -hmm. it is a problem to me, right? There are so many initiatives and, and, and good things happening, but they, they struggle with getting money, essentially. And then the best solution that I has, have ever, as of now is probably the government should support this you know if if this is something if this is doing or you know pushing our our country in a better direction uh then this is something that the government should take care of if there's no other return other financial return to private investors right so maybe there are issues that cannot be solved by private investors um, but should be taken care of by the government but then I don't know if you ever tried to apply for a government grant. <laughs> it's a mission. I can imagine. So the financial from the financial standpoint, uh, there needs to be like a clear um, exit strategy. Otherwise, it's difficult to provide value to investor like like yourself. And from from the impact perspective, is there anything that you could um, um, just reveal to to make it easier for for founders, uh, also the ones listening to us, uh, to to approach someone like you. Uh, what what do you mean by that? Uh, what kind of impact are you looking for, what and to what extent it needs to be yeah. Uh, visible? Yeah. Okay. So I what I'm looking for. So I have this three P thing that I'm that I'm doing. So it's oh, I like uh, this <laughs> already. Planet and profit. You know. Okay. So that's what I'm looking for um and and 
So what I what I'm looking for is really business models and teams that create impact and do so at a at a large scale to be able to scale it largely, um, but being really mission driven with it. You know, like really trying to to focus on improving things and do this on a large scale. That's what I'm really looking for. Like, what's the the biggest impact that you can have? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I don't think it's it's uh, very sm- or it would be smart of me to have like you know set K- KPIs that I want them you know to achieve or I want to see in, in business plans because you know startups and, and entrepreneurs are as individual as, as you and me. Um, but I think you know like how do you reduce emissions? How do you impact mental health at work, for example, things like that? Um, that is something that I'm really looking looking for. Um, but only large scale, like how can you really, really create huge impact and not only locally, but hopefully internationally. Got it. Got it. Cool. Okay. I think we, we have covered a lot of uh, topics today. Uh, for me, the, one of the, the biggest takeaways was your personal story, uh, something I can relate to uh, as well. Uh, that was very, very cool diving into it. Um, Kasia, from your perspective, anything that was super important? Uh, I really enjoyed our high-level conversation <laughs> about the, uh, all the various problems of uh, what's not working in politics, etc. Uh, I think from time to time it's really good to, to to just take a minute to think about those problems or ask um, like controversial questions. Should we put carbon-neutral products on the market or not? Uh, so thank you for that part. Uh, I think I will think about it a little bit more and maybe get back to you <laughs> with some other uh, <laughs> response here. Yeah. But I'm quite comfortable with the one uh, I figured out right now. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Cool. Thank and uh, I really like the format. Uh, let's uh, collect some feedback and uh, <laughs> listen also to uh, our users, our, our audience, what they think about it. But uh, uh, it was really interesting to dive into all those sor- sorts of topics you, you mentioned. Uh, Finn, any last uh, word that you would like to share? Any recommendations um, to founders, uh, books that you like? Um, we are happy to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So um, if People out there, if you if you see this and you want to build sustainable companies or disrupt industries uh, with sustainable business models, Google me, add me on LinkedIn, get in touch um, and try and find me. Let's build some cool stuff together. Cool. We'll put uh, all sorts of links uh, below the, the recording uh, so so it's going to be easier for them to, for, for our audience to, to reach you. Um, thank you so much for the conversation today. Um, yeah. And uh, that's all from our side. Thank you so much, Finn. Thank you right. very much. Thank you too. Thank See you. Thank you. Bye. See you. Bye bye.